Well, good morning, New Hope Community Church. Good morning. It is so good to be here with all of you on this wonderful, rainy Sunday morning. You know, I come here and I'm reminded of the church that I grew up in, the church of my first, you know, 25 years of living. I see the wooden pews. I see you guys have an organ. We didn't have these beautiful stained glass windows like you guys have. This is like an angel with a sword on a ship's wheel. It's amazing. I love it. I am, I'm all about all about that. But I'm, I'm reminded also um, during the worship song about how it is God's grace that he's revealed to us himself. And I was just thinking, man, you know, it's a lot of Sundays that I sat through church on a wooden pew, like for 25 years, you know, at least 50 times a year, I heard the gospel and I, I did not have ears to hear. I heard it, but I was like, man, I am not about this. I want to go home and play on my Xbox. The original one with like the console, it's like 30 pounds. You could use it and you could like flatten boulders. It was, it was ginormous. And, and I was all about that. I, I, I'm reminded as a teen having to go to church on Friday nights as well. Not only were Sunday mornings taken, but also Friday nights were taken. And I was like, oh, okay, more of this stuff, whatever. You know, I, and I remember my youth pastors, and I remember the volunteers. I remember um, the, the English-speaking pastors at my Chinese church. I didn't go to the Chinese service. I went to the English one. And I'm reminded of them. I remember them as people. I, I don't remember what they said <laughs> for, for, you know, I don't know, 50 times a year. They would try to tell me the gospel, and I'd be like, uh-huh, huh and I would, I'd wake back up, I would doodle a lot, you know, even in college. I would go to um, my ministry in college. It was InterVarsity at the time at UMBC, just like a stone's throw away from this place. It's real close. I love it. You know, I love driving out Edmondson Avenue and being reminded of that Papa John's we would use to spend our flex dollars from UMBC at. You know, that was a lot of fun. And I'm reminded, man, you know, uh, of how often God was just constantly calling out to me, saying, you know, Ryan, come on, there's more to life than just this. You know, I was reminded so many times, you know, even just sitting here being like, man, I, I can see the journey that God has brought me through week in, week out, year after year. You know, it didn't always work out for me. It wasn't always, you know, oh, I'm always on fire for God. I'm going to make the right decision. But the, the curtain would peel back a little bit. You know, God would reveal a little bit more of himself to me and say, this is what being a Christian is about. This is what following Christ is about. And then I would see something shiny and follow that. I would go to college and be like, oh, I can take a break on Sundays. I don't have to go to church anymore. I can just you know, do whatever, hang out with my friends on Sundays? This is wonderful. I was like, oh, but like God was telling me, like, Ron, you gotta, you gotta deepen this relationship. You gotta know God more. It's like, okay, okay, okay. You know, I'll, I'll go, I'll, just, I'll find a Bible study my freshman year. I'll find a Bible study and I'll go to it and that will check off the box. And I went to a Bible study my freshman year and I fell asleep in every single Bible study. It was no joke. I would write with a pen, stay awake, stay awake, and I would fall asleep. So I'm sorry, Megan, you did your best with me, but you know, I was clearly, I had some growing to do you know, in my own faith and in my own walk. And it was clearly God, his hand was on me. You can ask my mom. She'll say, oh, Ryan, he was a bad boy, but God brought me through. She will tell you that. And she, will, she reminds me that she reminds my beautiful wife, Kate, that all the time, that I used to be something else, but God has really, you know, changed me. I was thinking, man, like this is God's grace that reveals more of himself to me. All that to say is, you know, that takes the pressure off of me. That no matter how many things I can say, no matter how many weird analogies I can use to you guys here, it's, it's going to be God's grace that will reveal the gospel to you. So if you fall asleep, you fall asleep. I did several times, several times a year, probably all of them. You know, I have a collection of things I would draw on during the service and try to like make myself stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. But God's grace, I believe that God is doing something. now. I believe, you know, that there is something I can say to you here, but you know, and if not, 
Um, you know, let the heresy I say fall on deaf ears. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You're going to forget everything I say by the time we close in prayer, which is, you know, which is fine. If that's what God's will is, that's what God's will is, you know. And if I stand up here for the next 23 minutes and I just sing the Hosanna hymn for 23 minutes, I'll do that. Kate said I could do that. My wife, she was like, do that if you have to. And I was like, you know what? That's God's will. That's God's will. You know, but I believe that there is a word. I believe there is a word that God is, has brought me here to tell you. And that word is expectation. Say expectation expectation. Right in the chat, expectation. It begins with an E, and then there's some other letters after that. I'm not an English teacher. I don't know these things. I teach science. I don't care about spelling. I don't, I don't do that. Type expectation, because I believe that we have some expectation. You know, I'm in church now with you guys. This is only the second time I've been in church on a Sunday this whole year. You know, last time was August when I was here last time with you guys, and that was a lot of fun. You still have a beautiful church. It's still here. I love it, you know, um, but I, I haven't been back to an in-person service yet, you know? Like, we're, I'm, I'm finally vaccinated now. I, you know, my wife eventually, hopefully, will as well, and we'll make our way back in. But I feel like, you know, at this time right now, we, we have, it feels like it's a sense of renewal happening. You know, the year 2020 was a train wreck. It was, you know, a soft reset, whatever it was for you. But, like, it feels like, you know, maybe the weather is getting warmer. You know, maybe it's the finally that I'm back in the classroom. You know, I can see my students' top half of their faces instead of just a little avatar with Luffy or Naruto or a cat. And I'm just like, oh, I can actually, like, this is kind of, getting back to a little bit of normalcy. You know, I'm kind of feel like God is on the move, you know, and, I, and I'm so excited for, for what God is doing, doing in this season. And, you know, I have these expectations, you know, the word expectations. I had expectations last year in the year 2020. I was like, I, I, this will bring, this will wash me clean from all the stress of the pandemic. And it was this thing. It was this beautiful thing. You guys probably saw it. And it's toilet paper. Toilet paper would bring me through the pandemic, and it was a lie. I got the toilet paper, and I was still stressed sometimes. It did not save me. It did not bring me, um, you know, whatever I thought it would. We still use the same amount of toilet paper pre-pandemic. It was still around, so I don't know what all the fuss was about, but I got it because I expected it to save me. It's still there in my basement. We still have a couple packs left. I'm sure you do, too. Um, that being said, I feel like, you know, I'm just, I'm just happy to be in church again with all of you. I feel like, you know, we're moving in that direction and God is on the move. And I, and I don't know, I'm like ready for God to do this. I'm ready to go. I think you guys are ready to go. I think as a nation, as a world, we're ready to go. We're ready to move forward, you know. Let's do this. But, but what is this that we're ready for? You know, what is this expectation that we have? Do we ever get caught up in like our own sense of what we expect God to be doing right now in this season, in this time? Is it God's plan, or, or is it our own plan? And as we welcome this new season, are we ready to celebrate the glory of God, to hail him in on Palm Sunday, we're ready to go, or are we, are we leaning into his plan, his expectations, or our own? Are we, are we disciples of Jesus, or are we just consumers of Jesus? You know, if Tim Keller has a really great, uh, really great analogy of, like, renters versus homeowners. You know, if, you, if you're a homeowner, if you're a child in the house, you know, if something breaks, you fix it, you know. If something goes wrong, you, you clean it up because, you know, you, you live there in that house. Whether you're the parents, whether you're the kids, you know, you, you get it done. But if, if you're a renter and the washer breaks, you call your landlord, doot, 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 fix my washer, please. And they say, okay, we'll do that. And you say, thanks. And you hang up and you're good to go. And that expectation is there because you've paid your dues. You know, you've paid your rent and you said, fix this. And they say, okay, there's, there's a sort of a transactional thing going on. And I, f I feel like sometimes... We have that same idea. We have that same transactional mindset when it comes to our relationship or expectations of God that somehow God owes us 
for all the rent we've been putting in, you know, all that time, all that energy, you know, whether you've been in church your whole life or this is your first time, you know, I feel like, you know, maybe we have the wrong impression of who Jesus is. Like in, in our Americanized Western Christianity, we think, you know, okay, you know, input equals output. You study hard, you get good grades, you exercise, you stay fit, you stay away from sin, and God will bless you with stuff. And we, ha- and we have that mindset that, like, God somehow owes us, that we're not just children of the living God, we're, we're renters, we're consumers. You know, God, I did this for you, so just move in my direction. Bless me in this specific way. You know, my enemies surround me at my job, or, you know, I, please give me financial success, because, you know, if I don't get this, you know, I, I get a little cranky. We start, we start to grumble. Maybe we think, you know, this isn't what I want. This isn't what I expect. So we're going we're gonna to change churches. We're going to sever relationships. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bury myself in what I'm feeling in this moment because, you know, that's who I am as if the God of the universe is unwilling or unable to make all things new. You know, and if we feel like we do something wrong, we question our love for God or God's love back for us. You know, ah, man, you know, I didn't pay the rent on time, so God cut the lights. You know, we, we forget that God's sacrifice, that the sacrifice of Jesus was literally enough for the sins of the world. It says in 1 John 2, 2, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. This is grace freely given. We sang about that in the second song. We can't do anything to earn it. We can't lose it. We can't somehow monetize it or get more of it. We just, it's just God just saying, here, I love you. You know, I'm calling after you. I've created you for this. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Let's look at this triumphal entry because these expectations we have of God, these people had these same similar expectations in all four gospels. In John 12, 12 through 16, this is the ESV version. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took palms, they took branches of the palm trees and went out to meet him crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey, and he sat on it, as people do with donkeys, I guess. And just as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him. Let's that's a lot. Let's set the scene here. First of all, in verse 12, we talk about this huge crowd, and we think, oh, huge. That's a lot, but maybe our idea of large is kind of skewed because the CDC has been like, large gatherings are 10 people. So is it 10 people? Is it people outside your house? Is it 100? 1,000? There's a historian, scholar, person. He was born in the year 37 AD, which he's got, that's like a billion years ago, you know, 37 AD, 2021 minus 37. It's about a billion, right? That's a long time. Ago, and his name was Flavius Josephus. Okay, let me say that again. Flavius or Flavius, whatever it is, it's going to be the name of my next firstborn child, daughter or son. Thank you, Kate. It's a wonderful name. And he wrote about one of the Passover feasts that they were having. This is like this giant, you know, gathering of all the people coming to Jerusalem. He said there were 2.7 million, million people. That's a lot of people social distancing. They probably didn't do that back then. But that's a lot. That's a huge gathering. I can't even imagine. 2.7 2.7 million people, and this is not even including the foreigners and the defiled. This is, he's just writing it down. Be like, 2.7 million people came. And whether or not that that number is a little bit higher, a little bit lower, we know that when Jesus is coming, people are, people are waiting for him. People know. They're like, this guy raised Lazarus from the dead. This guy, he fed us 
five thousands of us with like a fistful of bread and fish. He just threw it at us. We're, we're all fed. And he had baskets left over. So maybe even the people that were thinking, you know, Jerusalem, Passover, it happens every year. I'll go next time. It's always the same. No, these people probably showed up. People probably showed up and, and it was buzzing. This was like the PS5 was back in stock everywhere. Everyone was clamoring for more of this. They weren't just going to be like working on something, be like, oh, hey, Jesus, this is the Messiah. Sup. No, they were like, it's Jesus, Hosanna. Let's rip off these palm branches. Let's throw our coats in the street. Did you know that this guy, Jesus, this guy, he put mud in a dude's eyeball and he could see. Well, you know, I heard he, he raised somebody from the dead and somebody else says, you know, he turned water into wine. Water into wine? He raised somebody from the dead. Get, get out of here, water into wine. Raising the dead to life? We are, we are full of anticipation. Take your coat off, throw it on the ground. Let him walk on it. Why, why, are we, why are we throwing our coats off and throwing it on the ground for Jesus? Well, you know, in 2 Kings, they would do this to hail in the next king. The next king of Jerusalem, the next king of Judah, of Israel. They're like, guys, let's throw this on. This is 2 Kings 9, 13. They did this. Let's jump back a little bit. Why are we throwing our coats down for this guy if he's going to be a king? Well, they knew. They knew who Jesus was. You might be sitting here thinking, I know who Jesus is. I've heard it all my life. You know, you might wake up right now and go, yeah, Jesus, right. Okay, thank you, whatever, dude, talking on the thing. Okay, Jesus, we got it. They knew who he was, and they had clear expectations. John 6, 14, 15, they say all the people saw the signs that Jesus performed, and they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, said, let's roll out. Let's go. I'm ready. Let's take over. Sorry. No, it says he withdrew. It says he withdrew again to the mountains by himself. Jesus had people waiting and willing. They were ready to make him king. They're like, Jesus, we believe it. Let's do it. But where was their hearts in this? You ever feel like God is, God is saying, wait? Do you ever feel like God is saying, hold on one second? Even though you're so sure that this is what God wants for you in your life, God is saying there's still work to be done here. You know, there's still work to be done in you. Before we take that next step, we have just hold on a moment. You know, the disciples, they weren't ready. The crowd wasn't ready, and the world wasn't ready. Jesus knows what's best for his people. He knows that these people, actually, they're just here, not even because they saw the signs. It's because they ate their fill of the loaves. It's because they got full of their tum-tums, and they're like, Jesus, give me some more of that good, good bread, please. And Jesus was like, your heart's not in the right place. You know, your mindset isn't right. Like, your intention to make me king right now, I know, I know, I know what your motivations are. You know, I remember being in a situation, this was when Kate and I first got married in my first year, and, and we were so excited. You know, we just bought a house, we just, we moved um, to Towson, and we were pumped, we were amped, because, you know, as married people, we could do taxes for the first time together, and we were super stoked about that, loved doing taxes. But, but something happens, there's a situation that went down, and we were like, why, why is this happening to us? You know, it felt completely outside of control, and it escalated, it got worse and worse and worse, and we were like, no matter what we do, no matter what authority we try to bring in and try to work this out with, it is not working. Things are being turned against us. We feel like we're being attacked from all sides. What do we even feel? At one point, we don't feel safe in our homes. Like, do we, do we move? Do we leave? Is this God telling us to go somewhere else? Because this is, this is too much, you know? And we try all these things, and at one night, it got so wrong. We're like, we need to just, we need to, whoa, did you feel that? I put my hand here, and I woke y'all up. Y'all are waking up now, aren't you? You got to hear this. But we, we, we put our heads together. And we're like, let's pray, like the real, like heads together, hands holding. We're like, let's just pray about the situation because like we can't do anything to bring ourselves out of this. 
and we pray. And I wish I could say that at the end of the prayer, you're like, oh, the dams broke loose and we feel peace washing over us. We didn't. We felt just as anxious as before. And it was weird. And we're like, we, you know, I guess we'll just trust God with this situation. And I kid you not, the very next day, the very next day, things started to move. Things outside of our control. People that were turned against us were all like, wait a second, this is actually what's happening. This is the reality of what's going on. And slowly, day by day, God was revealing that, you know, he had us in his plan the whole time. That God was saying, I was protecting you this whole time. I know you were suffering now. But I find we, just, we look back on that and we say, that was not us, that was God. Because we, we didn't do anything. All we did was pray, and God was saying, hey, in your hopelessness, you came to me, and that's when you were ready to trust me. And we're like, man, that's some serious stuff. First year of marriage, you know, it's like, wow. And it was only after praying in that hopelessness we were able to get out. So, so back, back, to, back to this, you know, six chapters ago, they want to make Jesus king. I think six plus six is 12. So now we're, now we're six chapters ahead, and we're like, okay, these people are finally welcoming him in as king. And he's here during the Passover. It's, it's only two centuries earlier. I know a lot of you guys here are Old Testament historians and stuff like that, but I'm going to just remind you just in case you forgot. Um, there was a guy named Simon of Maccabees, which is an awesome name. You guys should have titles in your name too. You could be um, Timothy of Catonsville. I'll call you that. If that's your name, I'll do it. I'll work it out. It's fine. Um, but this guy, Simon of Maccabees, literally came into Jerusalem when Jerusalem was under Syrian occupation. This means the Jewish population at the time, they were under opposition control. Some, some from foreign country was ruling over them, was in their temple, and Simon and Maccabees came in and said, get out, Syrians, and they all left. It was one, you could read it. It's in the book of Maccabees. I'm just kidding. That's a lie. You shouldn't lie in church. It's a sin or something. Anyway, Simon of Maccabees kicks out all these Jewish people, and they're gone, and everyone's waving palms saying, yes, Simon of Maccabees, prince of the Jews, you're here. Salvation is for us. And then Simon dies of Maccabees. He's gone. Salvation, bleeding. Whew. But Jesus, this is the guy that was prophesied about in Isaiah and Micah. This was the guy who was going to bring them salvation. He was going to take the Romans who were, under occupa- who were occupying them right now. They were going to kick the Romans out. Jesus was going to come in. He's going, pia, pia, Romans gone. Jewish people are free. Let's go. And they were excited. They were ready. They're like, Hosanna. Yes, we welcome you here. Step on my coat. Step on my coat again. Yes, he stepped on my coat twice. You saw that? Two times. And they were excited, and they were amped, and there was 2.7 million people or so welcoming in Jesus. And the crowds are claiming Jesus to be the rightful king, but where are their hearts? On one hand, they have a palm branch. On the other, they're ready to pick up a sword. They're ready to make it into a fist. They're ready for their own expectations of what Jesus was supposed to do. Where is the revolution? Where is the crowd? Less than a week later, I encourage you to come back on Good Friday to see where they went. But spoiler alert, even his closest disciples deny him and abandon him. Maybe your version of Jesus isn't coming in on a war horse. Maybe he's not going to kick down some Romans off your back. Maybe, maybe your version of Jesus means you're going to be more successful. Maybe your version of Jesus will bring you some, some financial, relational success. Maybe, maybe following Jesus means that your loved ones are going to stay safe. Maybe following Jesus means he's going to keep you whole. He's going to, he's going to make sure that no matter what happens, no, no anything bad will ever happen, and you'll have a happy, comfortable lifestyle. Maybe, maybe your Jesus is coming in, and he has a trophy with your name on it. It says, yes, you look, yes, you're number one. You are morally superior. Thanks for following me. Here you go. 
I don't know who your version of Jesus is. But we put in the work, we paid our dues, and we, we expect to be compensated. You know, this is a little bit more transactional, a little bit legalistic. Instead, you ever get mad for not following your plan? You put this plan out. I know a lot of you guys are probably type A. I am not. I am, my wife is type A, and I bug her to death, and I, I bless her soul and spirit because she puts up with a lot of me. And you know type A people, if you know a type B person, it is like pulling teeth sometimes to get them to do anything. Um, so plans for me don't matter, but plans for you, plans for you might, you know, we, we, it's everyone to the left and to the right of us are lifting up palms, praising Jesus, we're in church, you're online, you're like, yes, we love Jesus, but as soon as church clicks off as soon as you go home, as soon as I would get in the car with my family, we would bite and scream and nag at each other because we just, we love to fight. I don't know, it's in my nature. We just love to like, because I had an older brother, younger sister, we just love to get at each other. It was funny, we'd be like, this, this little sister here, she didn't play her piano today, let's tell mom. Let's just instigate fights for no reason. I don't know if any of you guys are like that, you guys are like poking at each other, like let's poke the bear a little bit. This is a good time. I'm not talking to any kids in here, don't worry, I'm talking to the adults, right? Adults love doing that. Not kids. But what happens, you know, when, when all that time and effort you put into church, you put into God, and you don't get anything back? You don't get a return on your investment? You start to think, like, well, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe, maybe this palm branch is getting kind of heavy, you know? Jesus was going to come in and knock down these Romans, bonk some heads together, but this palm branch is, like, really heavy. And my, my, you know, whatever I'm holding down here in the world, this is really, this is what I really want. Maybe it'd be easier if I had two hands on this and I could put this in the center of my universe, you know? And Jesus, you know, it was good for a little bit, you know, he helped me get through a really bad time in my life, but, you know, I don't really need him anymore. I need, I need this, this shiny new thing, you know? And as long as I get that promotion, Jesus, I'll follow you. You know, as long as you fix my spouse's attitude, Jesus, I'll follow you. As, as long as you find me that girlfriend, I'll follow you. As long as you give me what I deserve. And I think if there's one thing I want you to remember, it's our expectations of Jesus need to be centered on who he is and not just what he could give. I'll say that again. Our expectations of Jesus need to be centered in on who he is and not what he could give. Oh, man. I totally forgot this slide. This is a banging slide. I love this. It's awesome. This is from all four Gospels. This is literally people all over the place saying, Hosanna, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David. And they say a whole bunch more things. And it's awesome. And it's so cool because like you have all four different perspectives. You know, it's like you don't go to a party, but you hear something happen at that party. And you're like, hey, group of friends, tell me what happened. And they all come to you. And they're talking about the same thing, but their story's a little bit different. They, they remember different highlights of it. And I think that's just so cool to see this one event happen, but everyone is so excited about something different. You know, everything else is is, is working in them just a little bit differently. You know, let's go to the next slide, because this is the slide I'm talking about. Our expectations of Jesus need to be centered on who he is, not just who he could give. I'm going to keep messing up with this microphone. I hope that's okay. I hope you can still hear it, because I keep smacking it with my hand. So if you can't hear it, then woe is me. I guess that's God's grace saying, just fall asleep now. It's okay. I would. I would, I would be gone. I would be gone. Uh, I'm just going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep scrolling until I find it. Yes. Okay. So our relationship with Jesus. You still with me? Say yes in the chat if you're still with me. Give me a thumbs up in real life if you're still with me. I see some thumbs. Hey, thumbs. That's some good looking thumbs you all got. So our relationship with Jesus has become a little bit transactional, a little bit legalistic. We've, we've taken on the role of renter instead of children, consumers instead of disciples, you know, we have, a, we have a palm branch in one hand, we're like, but how do, I, how do I make these both work? And we have to let go of the things of this world because 
even though you think, man, you know, this might be a little bit more rewarding if Jesus can just keep giving me this bread filling my tummies, you know? I don't need the signs. I just want to be fed. You know, I just want to get that, mm, that good worldly stuff. Just keep giving it to me, you know? And she's saying, this isn't, this isn't what I'm here for, you know? I'm here for lasting restoration because you think when you get that thing, you'll feel better. We'll feel safer. We'll be, we'll be satisfied. That new thing that you're working towards will always feel new, right? You know, you'll, you'll, you'll always hunger and you'll always thirst. I thought this picture, this was, this was too funny to me. And some people did not think it was funny. My mother-in-law thought, that's sad. But if you can't see it, it says, this should make me happy. He's on a computer. And it says, new object. And you click buy. A little bit later, the postman comes or Amazon Prime comes. And they say, here you go. They give it to you. And he's holding new object. And the next panel, it just says object. The newness is gone. You know, you work so hard for something. And once you get it, it's like, man, I was just really involved in the chase of things for some reason. Not really involved with what was right. Maybe... Maybe I do need something more fulfilling. And the only thing that can satisfy us is God, is our creator. Because he's the one who created us. He knows us. He knows our hearts. We were created for a purpose. And until we follow the design of our creator, we'll keep running from place to place. We'll keep jumping from thing to thing, hoping and praying that whatever we find next will bring us meaning, that this will fulfill me. But the only thing that can is a life in Christ, a life in Jesus that will make your joy complete. Jesus says, you want to follow me? You claim to be my disciples, that I'm king? Follow my example. Do what I do. Serve. Love. I'm coming in on a donkey, y'all. That's not a war horse. I'm coming in to usher peace. I'm coming in to bring restoration for humanity, for you, for your souls. You might be thinking, oh, man, what, do I, what must I do to be doing the works of God? Oh, my gosh, guys, you've been reading John chapter 6. That's so good because they asked Jesus the same question. What must I do to be doing the work of God? And Jesus doesn't even answer in a parable. He tells him straight up. He says in John 6, 29, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Just believe. Nothing you can physically do. Nothing you can say. You can't buy your way in or out. You can't lose it. It's just faith in Christ. And that's it. And what would that look like for us, like as a church, you know, as a nation, as, as a group of Christians? What, what would that look like, you know? If his disciples weren't paying attention before, they probably still aren't paying attention now. I mean, it says in John chapter 12, they didn't even know about this until later on after he was glorified. So if you're thinking to yourself, I don't really get it yet, that's okay. His disciples literally walked footstep with Jesus and had no idea. So it's okay. You're on this journey. I'm on this journey. A little bit more, by God's grace, a little bit more will be revealed to you, you know? But if you follow him, we should be clear about what we should do. And it's to believe, it's to love, it's to serve. But what does that even look like? You know, I think a good first step is to be imitators of Jesus. It's to see, hey, Jesus as God came down, walked as a human being, which most of us are in here, and most of us are online. There's probably a bunch of bots still doing it. But if you're human, you could probably imitate Jesus, just even a little bit. Let's jump to Philippians chapter 2. I think Paul says this amazingly, especially comparing to Jesus coming in on a donkey. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And once you believe in Jesus, it's not just a good mindset. It's not just, oh, okay, he's a good teacher. No, it's, it says that the spirit of the living God will be in you, that his power will be in you, that you will have the ability now to restore the situation around you. 
You know, what, if, what happens if we count other people more important than ourselves? And what happens if we take our earthly ambitions, the things we're trying to hold on to, and we say, you know what? Not as important as these other people around me. You know, I maybe not, I don't need to step on other people to get ahead. Maybe I don't need to be as violent or vitriol online to other people. Maybe I don't need to try to exploit certain things or tactics. You know, maybe I just need to elevate other people as Jesus would. You know, the same grace that God has given us, we need to reflect that for each other. We need to forgive other people, to help other people, to love other people, and not just the people that look like us or that agree with us online, on the forums. You know, these are people who disagree with us the most that we need to show love to. You know, but that's foolish. That's stupid, right? Like, what? You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna love people who say you're dumb? You're going to love people who disagree with you? But isn't it so much easier to just hang out with the people that you like? Isn't it easier to just kind of put yourself in that holy huddle and just be like, we're going to insulate ourselves until the coming of Christ, you know? Why would, why would I do that, you know? That's not how to be successful. Putting others first, they'll walk all over you. Thinking about other people, loving other people, they'll use you. You know, there's a clear formula for how to get ahead in this world. And, and I'm saying in your souls, I'm saying that maybe in the world, you need to rebel. You need to rebel against the things that this world is saying you need in order to feel good. Maybe you need to rebel against that sinful nature inside of you that's saying, you know, you are the center of the universe. No one else matters. As long as it feels good to you. You know, what, what would Jesus say to that? You know? And people would say, <laughs> they would scoff. They'd make that noise. <laughs> That's a scoffing noise. Hear that? Everyone scoff. <laughs> Don't do that. It's microbes everywhere. It's gross. You can't do that. But you can. You get scoffed at. And maybe that's okay. You should be scoffed at, but not, not for the things you post online. Maybe you shouldn't be mocked because of the things you post on Facebook. You should be mocked because, you know, people should frown at how generous you are. People should frown at how easy it is for you to give, how hospitable you can be, how forgiving you are. You know, that's not what the world says. And it requires suffering. You think Jesus suffered? Yo, come on Good Friday. I'm sure Pastor Joe would love to talk about that. This Palm Sunday is a day of celebration, renewal. I believe that as a church, we have a responsibility to celebrate and welcome our king. But we should examine ourselves. We should examine our hearts. Are we willing to go where Jesus is taking us? Are we willing to follow him, be disciples, not just consumers? Are we willing to pause and just pray? Take this moment to say, you know, this week, I'm just going to pray for five minutes. I'm just going to slow down for five minutes, and I'm going to see, you know, what does God want from me this week, this season? You know, as we welcome him with palm branches in this time of renewal, in this time of hope, do we know where he is going? Do we anticipate the suffering he's about to endure? And are we willing to suffer alongside for the sake of Christ? You know, maybe we'll be lucky enough for people to ask the same question that the crowd was asking in Matthew. It says in Matthew 21, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city stirred and asked, who is this? How would you respond? Let's pray together. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, it is by your grace alone that we come to you. It is by your grace and your love alone that we can love you back. Lord, that you are calling each and every one of us. You don't love just those who believe in you, Lord. You love the world. Your sacrifice was for the whole world, for every single person. Lord, I pray that we can just use this week to examine our hearts, that we can just See what motivates us, see what drives us, where, what are our expectations for you? Lord, I pray that during this week, we can just reflect deeper on your spirit, deeper on your teachings, deeper on who you are, that we can look to the cross and that we can boast in that, knowing that, or the sacrifice 
was for everyone. The sacrifice was for us, that the battle is already won. Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to continue to work in our hearts, that we can be made more and more like you, that we take this journey that we're on to know you more and more, that we can reflect that love out to other people. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.